After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? Pas te dire ce que tu peux faire pour moi. Tu vas voir, c'est pas compliqué. Tu me parles pas. Tu me poses pas de questions. If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Becky Shrimpton, Cameron Maitland, is coming back very soon, I promise. He is just right in the middle of making a television show, and he now has award season going on, so he's doing the BAFTAs, he's doing the Indie Spirit Awards. Make sure you go check out Hollywood Suite to go see what he's doing. He gives a great red carpet interview. He's always surprising them with, like, super deep cuts. It's fantastic. But I have another awesome reviewer, film person chatter. We kind of move around in similar circles, so it's exciting to have him on. David Davidson is with me today. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, well, uh, thanks for having me. I was just saying that um, it was at uh, one of your recordings that uh, one of my series got inspired. Uh, You and Cam and some others uh, did a Toronto film map, and that inspired me to uh, start a series at the Robarts Library to show old Canadian films. So I just want to say thanks for having me on and really respect and enjoy all the great work you and Cam are doing. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure having you on because we respect and enjoy your work. I mean, you have your blog, The Toronto Film Review, which has some serious Canadian deep cuts on it. You're a grad student yourself. You host, like you said, all of these uh, film programming reviews of old and new Canadian films. And you're such an advocate for new Canadian film and new Canadian filmmakers. How did you end up kind of in this world? Like, what's your what's your backstory? Yeah, I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario. And I moved to Toronto in 2010. I would have been 19 or 20. And, you know, like everyone else, I thought Adam Goyen, David Cronenberg, Guy Madden were some of the coolest directors alive. Well, they are. When I moved here. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But So I moved here in 2010 and I was staying on my friend Kelsey's place. She had a pull-down couch, not a pull-down couch, an ear mattress. I feel bad. I accidentally popped it one night. But anyways, <laughs> I uh, went to I went to Ronnie's with her one night in Kensington Market. So I'm there talking to her about, you know, deep cuts and obscure movies. And beside me, there's another table and these people are bringing up um, Pedro Costa, Pichapong, Rirasitakul. And it was almost a competition between both our tables without actually acknowledging it. Who could bring up the most obscure movie? Our tables kind of aligned and we were chatting together and it turned out to be uh, local director Kazakh Redransky. So this is uh, nine, ten years ago. He had just made a short film, Green Crayons. I was like, well, I don't know Adam McGillian, but this guy, he's cool, and he just made a short film through Cavs and, you know, through living in the city and going to the TIFF and the Lightbox and seeing Canadian films. Over the years, I just got to meet a lot of great emerging local directors, and I'm not a filmmaker myself, but I've seen these people that are asking questions about, you know, filmmaking, certain ideas of what it means to live in Toronto, and it was just through meeting them, being inspired by what they're doing, that... Uh, I just started using my site as a way to 
give them a platform or direct people's attention towards them because I really enjoy what they do. Well, there is a whole new new wave movement that's kind of happening. It started, like I believe you said, in, in 2010 and has sort of moved into now. And uh, it's starting to take over into more global circles. So people like Kazakh Rezwanski, who you just mentioned, um, with his films that consistently were making the TIFF Top 10. Uh, and I believe his newest one, Anne, at 13,000 Feet. Yeah, I don't think any of his features have ever been on TIFF top 10 yet. They play at the festival, but those are two different things. That's right. Yes. No, his short films have made that. But I know for mm. sure he has a uh, a screening series, the MDFF screening series that he does with his uh, producing partner, Dan Montgomery, often plays here. And they're always pulling in really interesting, unusual stuff. But you bring up uh, him, and I know you, you try to interview and you do your best to kind of promote all of these new young filmmakers that people may not know the names of. So um, people like Andrew Civadino or Ashley McKenna. Kenzie, who did Werewolf, which we haven't talked on the show yet, which I'm very excited about. You have all these great people that you bring on. And someone you wanted to talk about today was Rebecca Love, which was not a name that I had heard yet. I hadn't seen any of her films, but now I have. I'm curious as to why, of all of the filmmakers that you endorse, you wanted to talk about Rebecca today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking me that question. It was a recent article about uh, Toronto directors in a Québécois magazine called Ventapimage focusing on how Toronto directors are coming out of the school and mixing documentary and fiction. So there's Kaz, there's Matt Johnson, there's Sophia Badanowitz, I believe. Uh, she did a movie called Never Eat Alone, Maison Bonheur, and MS Slavic 7. And also another director, Antoine Bourges. And a lot of these directors share this actress, uh, Dara Campbell, who's really good. That's one perspective on the Toronto filmmaking scene that I think is a little limiting if you just try to focus on a kind of documentary tradition that's being made. What I like about Rebecca Love is there's almost like Emily Dickinson quality to her work. She made a 30-minute short film that might have been programmed only at two festivals in Canada and none internationally. And uh, her work... uh, has a very kind of like a lot of textures. It's very emotive. It's very heartfelt. It's very personal. Uh, Acres, the one I suggested we watch, very inspired by um, an old classic, Far From the Matting Crowd. It's set at a farm. It's about this uh, young protagonist, Yannick, whose father passed away, and he kind of retreated from all his friends in Toronto to work at this farm. So there's great scenes of him just um, working on the land, uh, fixing a well, cooking dinner. And it's these small little details that accumulate to just uh, very rich uh, character details. And the cinematography by Eric Rowe. And I don't know who the composer is, but I, as we were watching it uh, early on today, just for a conversation, the score is beautiful. So uh, what I like about her is that the work is a lot more textured than kind of, filmmaking that comes out of like a hybrid between documentary and fiction and I could see more Canadian directors going in this direction because it's a lot more care and thought and vibrancy and imagination and emotions in this. 
that uh, I'm really fond of. I think that's interesting that you say it's Emily Dickensian. I didn't really think of it that way. I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is like an impressionistic painting where I'm seeing the world definitely from a very particular point of view. And yeah, kind of soft poetry, uh, lyrical, definitely makes a lot of sense. She's a very soft filmmaker, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I mean there's a uh, a fluidness and a, and a liquidity to what she does. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's something very delicate about it. And it's it's very... If you watch uh, other short films, there's a very feminine quality. They're focusing on women protagonists, usually, and they're very vulnerable, I find. Um, characters talking about their inner feelings and troubles and just as someone that lives in the city, I find that hustle and bustle kind of takes me away from how I'm really feeling. It's hard to really talk about, you know, family problems, health concerns, money problems, because you're supposed to kind of just smile and go with it. And I find that when I watch your work, I'm just reminded of, you know, we're all kind of human, we're all vulnerable. We all have these little stories that are worth sharing. And it's just a nice reminder of that. Now, there's something interesting about her work as well in that when I approach a film by a filmmaker I may not necessarily know, uh, I try to watch the film first without knowing anything about their backstory so I can just enjoy it and I don't read too much into it. When we watch movies by directors or auteurs or whatever that we, we know a lot about them, we tend to look at them through a scope of like, oh, this is when Cronenberg was going through a divorce, so of course he hates women at this point, right? So it's very easy to kind of throw What movie them. is that? Wait a minute. Oh, man, all of them? <laughs> the, brood, the brood specifically. That's the that's the big rough divorce one. But, okay. Oh, yeah. But when you watch those films, it's easy to, yeah, impart very particular things on them. Now, Rebecca, I, like I said, I didn't know much about her, so when I watched her film, I was coming to it completely fresh of like, alright, what voice is going to speak to me through this thing? I then read a little bit about her afterwards and understanding because I I wasn't totally sure how I felt about the film like I kept kind of getting pulled in and out um, by different elements of it there's a a big there's a theatrical quality within the impressionism moments Um, the way it's shot the way the the way the actors are staged within the shots and within the frame feels very theatrical and very stagey and then when I read about her but it doesn't necessarily not work it's just very stylistic and it's something that I had to get used to the way she talks talks about herself and the way she talks about her work as I started to go into her interviews she talks about whimsy she talks about wanting to have people sort of lost in this whimsical dreamy sort of quality and the way she shot everything in the way everything again is very liquid and fluid does feel like a dream like these aren't necessarily two real people but more two dream versions that would like to connect the more I read about that the more I'm like oh that's where you're coming from and then I went and watched her other film which she has available to watch on her website Kiss My Love, which was her thesis project for Ryerson, and she cites one of her uh, big influences as being uh, Jean-Pierre Jouinet, whose films I love. And I was like, oh, you're taking that from this. And that also is very theatrical, very stagey, um, but has a lot of those more quirky elements that Jean-Pierre Jouinet has in his. And it's interesting to see that she wears her influences on her sleeve. Uh, would you agree with that? Do you think that's uh, Do you think that's accurate? Uh, that's a good question. Um, full disclosure, I'm I'm friendly or uh, friends with Rebecca Love. Um, of course, did my master's uh, history of Kayedi cinema in the '80s, the Parisian film magazine, and now I'm uh, working on a, a 
PhD in oral history of Cayeri Sinomas. So I'm coming from a bit of a hyper-cinephile uh, background. Um, and my problem with Canadian cinema is that there's always kind of a naturalistic, a lot of uh, urban scenes that are very gray and monotone and there's kind of dullness and ugliness to it. And um, one of my favorite Canadian films of all time is Crazy by Jean-Marc Vallée. I think he gave a lot of his budget just so he could use all these popular songs in it. And it just is kind of like fancy and imagination, this kind of flight away from drab reality to something that you know makes you dream. And after Acres, she did another short film called A Woman's Block. It's quite good with the same actress, Sarah, Sarah Swire. And that one's about um, uh, a woman, a young woman. I don't know if bipolar is the right clinical term, but uh, that's going through depression. Let's just say that. And um, I feel like her films come from personal emotions, things that she's going through and trying to translate, you know, her feelings onto, you know, this medium. Uh, Jeanette, yeah, that's probably there in... um, was the one that you mentioned? Uh, Abacus, my love. Yeah, Abacus, my love. I, I, I think that one's charming. That's the first that I discovered of hers. And, uh, you know, the Abacus, the staginess, that's like a Wes Anderson quality. But I think her work since then is kind of a bit more, na- not naturalistic, but there's more realism to it. Like Acres has a scene with like the candlelit dinner that uh, Eric Rose shot. And, it reminds me of if Barry Lyndon was shot in rural Ontario. Just a visual pleasure that I'm, I respond to in a work. And, and like you said, it's interesting the format she chooses to take. Her stuff is, um, it, it moves at its own pace. Uh, there feels like no rush to get to the conclusion. You get to just hang out and spend time with these people. And a lot of filmmakers aren't comfortable with doing that and creating those spaces where you just experience the time there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And... I don't know why I'm thinking of Kubrick, but uh, Michel Simont has a book on Kubrick, and he argues that the last shot of 2001 is then the first shot of the following film, so like the baby in the outer space to a close-up of, I think it's Barry Lyndon's face, and had this kind of like continuity. Um, if you watch the end of uh, Drawing Duncan Palmer, the film before Acres, it ends with... Um, Duncan Palmer walking down an alleyway, or not an alleyway, down a street, and there's someone gardening there. So from gardening to uh, acres, which is, you know, about planning, about things growing, about someone being closed off and opening himself up. So I think she's like Kubrick at all. There's a lot more feeling there. Yeah, I, I find, like, if you just study them, there's so many details. And just like Jean-Max Vallée, I find that a lot of the things that I'm thinking about in my own life, there's some synchronicity that her work is dealing with those same themes as well. Acres were just about kind of going back to the country or in the rural areas to kind of deal with grief. A woman's block deals with depression and anxiety. The new one, Ripe, is about an avocado becoming ripe and the kind of dilemma a couple has between wanting to have a child and the woman wanting to pursue her career and all these things that I'm going through or things about, for some reason, 
she's thinking about them too and I, I really respond to them I've been uh, doing some work on a new show where I had to watch uh, I had to watch I enjoyed watching the virgin suicides again and seeing how Sofia Coppola has evolved over her career and feel as you're describing these films to me it seems like Rebecca kind of evolves in the same way whereas she's discussing these different topics like becoming an adult figuring out what you are uh, ripening dealing with mental health issues which is sometimes people something people don't deal with until later in life when they suddenly realize they have this um, or it develops later, uh, coming to terms with things that we may have lost in our youth. Um, it seems like she's evolving and changing as a filmmaker and creating these films as she goes along that that uh, deal with where she is in her life. And that's interesting almost as an autobiographical sort of way. It's strange. I mean, I like Rebecca Love's work a lot, but she's never played at the TIFF Film Festival, um, never played at the International Film Festivals, I don't think. And she just keeps going and, you know, I think she might get a family friend and help her make a movie or I think she finally got a first grant last year or something, but it's, I think she's more motivated by this desire to create and tell stories and work around issues than it's necessarily like fame or glamour or anything like that. And, it's this idea of creating an image that has personal and emotional resonate, uh, resonance that um, I think she's able to do so well. What do you think about her work really sounds a new, fresh voice in Canadian film? I mean, obviously, you you know what you're talking about in this realm. For a uh, graduate talk, maybe four or five years now, I uh, kind of labeled the generation of Toronto DIY filmmakers. So, uh, Kaz and Matt Johnson, obviously, but, you know, there's uh, Igor Schlecka. He did a film called The Waiting Room and Pravina. Who else? I think someone like uh, Ingrid Verninger is almost like a precursor in terms of low-budget kind of DIY Toronto films. And what I find so unique about Rebecca is she's more at, like, the north end of the city. I think her family home is from around the St. Clair area is that it doesn't have to engage with the hustle and bustle of downtown Toronto. There's just so much anxiety and stress. There's, you know, you're always going through money issues and you don't know where your place is exactly. And, you know, if you watch Tower or How Heavy Does Hammer and Nirvana, the band of show, these are kind of more masculine films that are dealing with, you know, a need to be cool and successful and anxious underneath it all. And Rebecca is just something kind of sadder and more beautiful about what she creates. Thank you, David. I think that's a perfect place to end our chat. On that note, how do people find you and your work? I'm going to add your plugs for uh, my Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. It's called Toronto Film Review Presents. I have two series that I run. One is... Um, consists of trying to show rare Canadian films. So it's at the Media Commons Theatre and Roberts Library on the St. George campus. Uh, the p- idea behind the series is that Canadian film history, though we'd like it to be more accessible, really isn't. For the series, I had to bug living relatives of deceased figures to get them to come show old VHSs. And there's something a little sad that there isn't more of an archive or that these works are more public. You hear about a rare Canadian film showing, definitely take the opportunity to go see it because 
you don't know when you'll ever see it again. And if it, people want to check out Rebecca Love's work, they can go to rlovearts.ca. And a bunch of her films are actually on the website through Vimeo. So you can check those out for free as well if you want to see her work. David, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks again for having me. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.